0: I'm sure others have said this, um, but of all the times and places I've spoken, I, I think this is the first time I've ever had to preach across a dance floor. <laughs> so if anybody feels the Spirit kind of break out, you got the space right here. It's great to be with you all again. This morning we're going to uh, read from the Word of God From the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, beginning at verse 26, I'll dive right into our text. This is perhaps one of the most potent and under-overlooked texts on the Holy Spirit in the entire Scripture. So if you have a copy of the Scripture, you can follow along. Uh, You can turn in your iPhone to this text. Luke 1, beginning in verse 26, hear the word of the Lord. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what this sort of greeting might be. This is the Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now some of you, after I read that text, are probably thinking, what is this, Christmas in July? I mean, is this guy like misread the calendar or something? Uh, Well, you know that, and Mark has said that this is part of uh, DCC's series on the Holy Spirit called Life Outside the Cage. I fear that when we only read that text and texts like that at, at Christmas or Advent time, we we miss something really crucial that's going on in that text. We miss something really crucial about the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And I've titled this message, The Spirit and the, the Impossible. Now, as we sit here in a place like this, uh, both geographically and even architecturally, it's, it's a little difficult to be obsessed with impossibility, isn't it? Because everything around us screams of possibility, what we can do, what can be done. And when we, but when we think about what's impossible in our lives, sometimes um, you know, we have a range of things we would think about. What's impossible for me now may have been possible 30 or 40 years ago. Uh, there are certain things that are impossible for me simply because I've never had the opportunity or I never will have the opportunity. Uh, there are things that uh, may be possible for me now that may be impossible for me to do physically or, or mentally 20 years from now if the Lord gives me that many more years. But when we think of what's impossible, we're we're often thinking of just what's really, really unlikely or really, really difficult. But as we all know, the more our society and our culture progresses and the more technological innovations we come up with, what was forever considered impossible is now quite possible. And yet when we come to to look at the Holy Spirit, we're going to find something very different about what the Spirit of God does with the impossible. Uh, those of you who are uh, familiar with the musical Cinderella will know the, the, one of the lead songs in that, Impossible Things Are Happening Every Day. Some of you remember that song? Impossible Things Are Happening Every Day. Now that, that sort of rhetoric will capture the imagination, it will, um, it, it will inspire us, it will May you know, maybe inspire us toward a great accomplishment that we didn't think we would would ever have the opportunity to do. Maybe the completion of a degree or the mastery of a really difficult skill. Uh, perhaps the, the, the conquering of a paralyzing fear that's that's held you at bay for years and years. Maybe it captures your imagination about the rescue of a of a relationship you thought that was gone. Or you know, maybe just it appeals to the you know, the, the, the innate potential and possibility that, that God has given all of us. But Mary, this young, obscure girl, probably just barely, perhaps, of childbearing age, probably in her early teens, by, by cultural standards, a nobody, and a person who had never known a man in the biblical sense of that term. Mary ends up being one in a really long line of those who knew genuine impossibility, not just something that was difficult or really, really unlikely, but genuine impossibility because we know where children come from, right? That wasn't going to happen. And the angel of the Lord comes to Mary and says to her, you're going to have a child, and the way you're going to have a child is that the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. Mary's was a truly, genuinely impossible situation. But this was one in a long line, not only of impossible situations, but of situations that show us how God works. Isaiah 7.14 speaks uh, a promise to the nation of Israel of, of deliverance through a virgin-born son. Now, when modern people think about a, a, a virgin birth, if they know Christian language at all, they probably know that phrase. But, but even think about that concept sounds almost ridiculous, doesn't it? And if you know your, your ancient history, some of your ancient mythology, you know that, that this account of a virgin birth was not the only account of a virgin birth in the ancient world. Uh, some uh, cultures had mythologies that. Uh, that had virgin birth accounts. But in all those other accounts that we're aware of, a son or a daughter born of a virgin was actually the product of the gods having sex with human women, to put it crassly. That was how that took place in, in ancient mythologies. But the Christian account of the birth of our Lord Jesus is very, very different because... This was not an account of the gods having sex with human women. This is an account of the Spirit of the living God miraculously coming on someone without sexual relations to bear a child. So the Spirit of God comes over Mary apart from the normal means, and there's there's no biological explanation for that. This was a genuinely impossible situation. And yet what we see is that as I said, this is one in a long line of instances that show us this is exactly the history of how God works. God works through the impossible. The Spirit of the living God is the one who brings life. And we see this pattern start all the way in the origins, in creation. Genesis 1:2, in the act of creation, the Spirit of God. Covers over the waters we see God bringing the universe into being simply by God's word God speaks and there is God says and there is you scroll forward a little bit in your in your copy of the scriptures and you'll see in Genesis chapter 17 and 18 uh, that here God begins to God promises that he will bring deliverance to his people his fallen broken people through a deliverer that will come about as a <laughs> as a product of two really old people who are beyond childbearing age. Genesis 17 and 18 tell us, this, tell us this story of Abram, age 99, and his wife Sarai, age 90. And the text even makes a point there that she was beyond childbearing age. And yet, the Lord comes to them and says, "'You will have a child.'" Now, even there, we can hit the pause button and ask ourselves, why does God do things in such crazy ways? Why does God just not use what we all know to be common sense and the natural way things are done? Things that would make sense to us. You see the point that it would not be an act of God if God just sort of worked along the lines of what makes perfect sense to us. God does not work that way. God is the God who always works through the impossible. We have another account of this even in uh, uh, the later parts of the Old Testament, where the prophet Ezekiel, uh, his prophecy in chapter 37 of that prophecy, he, he speaks of the, the, the people of Israel being so broken and so far from God that they're like a bunch of dead, dry bones in a valley. And Ezekiel asks the Spirit of the Lord, and the Spirit of the Lord tells him, Who's, who's going to make these uh, bones live? The Spirit of the Lord, uh, the Sovereign Lord says to these bones, I will make breath enter you, and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make f- and flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you, and you will come to life. And then you will know that I am the Lord. You see the pattern? This is how God works. The Spirit of the living God is not the Spirit who... That is, that is controllable for us it's not a spirit who's like a genie in a bottle who just kind of comes to us and we beckon on command and, and and does magic tricks for us nor is the spirit of god the one who who just sort of comes along and gives us a tune-up or or works with what's already there but the spirit of god displays the glory of god most vividly when things are impossible and we see yet another installment of this even in the resurrection Paul makes mention of this in Romans chapter 8, verse 11, when he says it is the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead. And so this virgin birth account, when the Spirit of God comes on Mary so that she will bear a child and that child will be our Savior, that child will be our Deliverer, that is just one more instance in a long line of evidence that this is how God works. God loves to come into our lives, to invade our lives, to intercept our lives at the place of the impossible, the place even of the, 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 the uh, what seems to us to be the, un, uh, the unreasonable. This is how God works. Now, it, it might be easy for us to think that this only happens for these, these sort of unusual, heroic figures in biblical history, because we, we can always say, well, the G- Ezekiel, you know, a prophet, or or, or, or Moses or Jesus being raised from the dead. And even Mary, you, you are highly favored from, by the Lord. And you and I know of ourselves, you know, on our more sane and honest days, that, that each of us are just one person among the billions of people who have ever lived in the history of the human race. Just one. But that's where this, uh, this study of the Holy Spirit also, shows us that the Spirit offers the impossible in our lives. Mark made reference to some of this. What does the Spirit do in our lives? John 16 shows us that it, it's the Spirit who leads us into truth. And this is truth about God and truth about ourselves that we cannot find out ourselves. Truth about our situation before God. Truth about the fact that Jesus Christ is the only answer to our deepest needs and our deepest alienation and our deepest divinely created intense, intent. Jesus is the only answer to that. And you know what? The sp- only the Spirit of God can tell us that. John 16 says it's the Holy Spirit who will convince people of sin, that, th- that we do have a sin problem, of righteousness, that Jesus Christ is the righteous one who can address that problem, and th- of judgment, that, that God alone through Christ will make all things right. Only the Spirit of God can can give us that kind of truth. We can't scratch our way to that. We can't claw our way to that truth. We can't research our way to that truth. John chapter 3, the Gospel of John, tells us that it's the Spirit of God who will make us new from the inside. He uses that phrase that's become familiar to many of us, being born again or born all over again. Born anew. That's impossible. We can't remake ourselves from the inside out. We can't refashion ourselves. We can't bring ourselves alive to God. It's the Spirit of God who who is present to us to bring redemption into our hopeless, impossible situations. Because we all know that some of the circumstances each one of us face and will face are irreversible. Uh, this is it's rather sobering, I suppose, even in a, in a place like this where we, we come together and uh, you know, the air is fresh and clean and the view is beautiful, and many of you get to live in a place like this and the rest of you get to vacation in a place like this. And it's, it's difficult to think about impossibility in those kinds of circumstances. But in our, our private worlds, every one of us know what it means to experience crushing loss and sometimes loss that is irreversible and it's the spirit of the living god who comes in to be make the presence of god ours even in irreversible losses it's the spirit of god who who brings redemption into our lives even when we can't predict specific outcomes of our circumstances even if the circumstances may not change we can't predict those outcomes but we can know through the Spirit of God, that God will redeem all things. Through the Spirit of God, God is present to those crushing, even irreversible circumstances. God makes His presence known with grace and faith and hope and love. Forgiveness becomes a possibility when we thought it was an impossibility. And so it's the Spirit of God who who lets us out of the cage. You've been using the metaphor of of life outside the cage. It's the Spirit of God who lets us out of the cage by actually coming into the cage and showing us that we're in there even if we didn't know we were in there. It's the Spirit of God who's always doing the impossible thing that must be done for us to be alive to God. We've all seen motivational posters and we've heard musicals and Like Cinderella. And these things can inspire us. They can make us feel good for a time, but they never really get to the heart of the truly impossible. And because of that, they never really get to the heart of what we need the most. And this text we read this morning from Luke is just one example of how the Holy Spirit shows us the cage that we're in in order to let us live outside that cage. We have to have the Holy Spirit to show us that because we, most of us, many of us, are relentlessly tempted to distraction away from our true condition, are we not? Look at our surroundings. The gift of creation that's been given to us for our our sustenance, our delight, very easily becomes a way of kind of diverting, distracting our attention away from our true condition. You know, if we feel pretty well, if we've got ample resources, we enjoy fairly good relationships, if we have... You know, pretty good aptitudes and skills that allow us to solve significant problems. We're always tempted to think that we only need the Holy Spirit to just kind of put a finishing touch on our lives. We're always tempted to think the Holy Spirit is there just to periodically help us make that connection with God that this kind of pulls everything together, gives us that, that polished edge, that tune-up. But you know, that's where the Spirit of God does the impossible by showing us our true condition, showing us that we may be on a dead-end street that we don't even know. That dead-end street may look good, it may feel good so far, but it leads to nowhere. Now, I'm going to take a risk here because I'm in a beautiful place like Dillon, but if I can make reference to another resort city of Telluride, I may get thrown out of Dillon for talking about Telluride. But those of you who've ever... uh, uh, going down in southwestern Colorado to Telluride, uh, you know that you you get on Highway 145 at Placerville, and you head almost 16 miles through be- a beautiful terrain into Telluride, and you realize you're on a one-way street that dead ends into the Box Canyon. And if you happen to have on your vacation plans that you want also to see Uray, Uray's just right over the hill. And guess what? unless you want a hard hike or a good four-wheel drive trip, you can't get there. (laughs) And I see the nods. You've you've got to go all the way back out and around to take what is probably maybe a five-mile trip. You can't get there. Beautiful drive. You'd never know that you're on a dead-end street, would you? But the Holy Spirit, even if we're on a dead-end street in our lives, the Holy Spirit will take us into a far deeper reality, bringing something from nothing in that dead-end street, bringing hope from hopelessness, bringing life from death. That is the kind of thing that the Scripture shows us the Holy Spirit always does, always works with the impossible, always brings something from nothing, brings hope from hopelessness, brings life from death. And even, even when things may not seem that hopeless or dead, Even because we're not seeing our real need, the Spirit of God shows us that need. And I know that some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know, some of you, maybe many of you, what it means for the impressive exterior of your life to mask excruciating pain, guilt, impoverishment of your life that nothing in your resource bank or education or reputation will address many of you know that you know what it means to have wounds in your soul that just will not quit hemorrhaging you know what it means to live with irreversible losses you know what it means to have no clue what to do or where to go with your most important relationships even in a place like this in a crowd like this that is really common you know the secret terror that some of your worst fears may actually be realized, and that's where we need the Holy Spirit to breathe life into those impossible places. A lot of years ago, when I was in college, that I took a science class and for the first time went spelunking. Our science uh, professor took us out to some caves and showed us these caves. I'd, I'd never done that before. <clears throat> And I can remember getting myself wedged into one of those really, really tight spaces. I don't start struggle with claustrophobia too badly or too often, but just enough to have great sympathy for those who do. Because if you do struggle with claustrophobia and you get in one of those tight spaces, what is the first thing you say? I can't breathe. Right? I can't breathe. And those are the very spaces that this account of the virgin birth of Jesus shows us that the Spirit of God speaks into those spaces. Those spaces where we have no clue what to do. Those spaces when we're dealing with irreversible losses. Those spaces where our very best resources and aptitudes will do nothing for the things that are most important to us. That's what makes the account of Jesus' birth so charged with life for us because when we can't breathe we are given breath it's why christians for uh, for for centuries have confessed their faith through the nicene creed one piece of which says we believe in the holy spirit the lord the giver of life Job 33, 4 speaks those very words almost. The Spirit of the Lord has made me, and the breath of the Almighty has given me life. You know what it feels like to just want so badly, not only to have breath, but to have hope, to sense that that the living God is present to you and is making all the difference in your life even if the circumstances don't change? You know whether you followed Jesus Christ for a long time and and you know what it means for the Spirit to bring Christ's life into your life, or whether this is all new and very strange to you. The challenge and the promise are really the same for every one of us. And that challenge is to let the Holy Spirit teach us our truest, our deepest need, our impossibility. Play stop the games, stop the illusions. Quit the scrambling and the struggling and let the Spirit of God tell us the truth about how impossible our situation really is. And then the challenge is to open ourselves to the Spirit of God, to invite the Spirit of God, to trust the Spirit of God, to do what only God can do, and that is to put the thumbprints of Jesus Christ on our lives so that we can not only be forgiven but can forgive. Forgive. We can not only receive love, but can love. We can move toward God's design for our lives when nothing in us knows how to do that or nothing in us wants to do that. And friends, that, I believe, is life outside the cage because the Spirit of the living God has come to us inside our cage, our impossibility, and has brought us life. So let's pray together. Spirit of the living God, we may here in this amphitheater not know much of each other's impossibilities, but we know that you know ours. And we are so grateful for that. We are so grateful for the promise and the gift of your Holy Spirit to bring your very presence into our cage and to give us life where we maybe didn't even know that nothing was possible because we're still trying to figure things out for ourselves and make this happen father today we together would like to open ourselves to you to humble ourselves before you and invite you through your holy spirit to come and do the impossible give life redeem give hope give love give grace give peace give forgiveness where That has long, long been out of the equation. Do this for us, we pray, not only for our benefit, Lord, but for your glory. We pray in Christ's name, amen.